At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming to you from the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. What a night in the NBA playoffs as the Celtics evened up their series with the Bucks at two games apiece and the Warriors take a commanding three games to one lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. In the first game, the Celtics were catching a point. Uh, This is uh, as opposed to, what was it, three points in game three that Milwaukee was able to come away with the victory in, and the Celtics were able to cover with the 103-101 loss. And it could have been something else if the foul was called properly at the end and Marcus Mark goes to the free throw line for three Free throws, not two. But anyway, we're done with that game. Uh, the announcement comes about an hour, maybe a little less before the game, that uh, the Celtics are going to be without Robert Williams, their main rim defender. And spread moves a little bit, finally closes Milwaukee minus a point and a half. And through the first half, it kind of looked like Milwaukee was going to be in control of this game. Even... After three quarters, it still looked like a Milwaukee Bucks victory. And then in the fourth quarter, the game completely flipped on its head. Al Horford, who had a career night, career night. Horford had 16 of his 30 points in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum had 12 of his 30 points in the fourth quarter. The Celtics outscore the Bucs 43-28 in that fourth quarter, win the game 116-108. Grant Williams got the start in place of uh, Robert Williams. They also, Daniel Tice played a couple minutes off the bench. Um, That's about it. It was really uh, Williams and Tice getting the minutes. Everyone else, I mean, Tatum played Tatum, Horford, the whole game. Smarkus Smart, yep. You know, and then, you know, got Peyton Pritchard a couple of minutes, and and, um, Derek White contributed as well. 
But this game was all about Al Horford and Jason Tatum. Horford, with the 30 points, was a plus 20 on the floor. Eight rebounds, three assists. Jason Tatum, 13 boards, five assists. He was a plus nine. And Giannis did what he does, 34 points, but no one else really came up big for the Milwaukee Bucks, who shot nine of 27 from three-point range. The Celtics, 14 of 37 from three-point range. And now this series shifts back to Boston, tied at two games apiece, which I feel a lot of people figure that was going to be the case. Um, That's the way that we were playing it here on this show. Um, I like the Celtics in game three, and I like them even more here in game four, even with, you know, Robert Williams not playing. So I saw the stat out there that the Celtics actually had a better rating with um, without him on the floor. So let's see. It was, if I can find it here, I'll give you the exact numbers, which is why it really wasn't a uh, a selling point or something that made you want to fade the Boston Celtics or get off of your Boston Celtics bet if you were on it just because of Robert Williams not playing in the game. The Celtics had really good numbers uh, even though he wasn't, wasn't going to be on the floor. If I can just find the numbers for you, I'll gladly give them to you. But that's where it was. It's uh, something basically that it's, it, it showed that he, his numbers were not it wasn't going to be anything that they were going to miss. In fact, you could have made the argument they were better. Here we go. Minus 2.3 in net rating with Robert Williams on the court, plus 9.6 with him off the court in this series. So with Grant Williams now, they were plus 6 with him on the floor, Minus 0.9 with him off the floor. So you add in Grant Williams getting those minutes instead of Robert Williams, and it just added to the Celtics actually being better. So uh, nothing about him, you know, leaving changed my my mind or anybody's mind. In fact, I know the spread moved a little bit, but didn't really care. Um, we had talked this week on the show with uh, James Alberino at Spread Investor, and, and we suggested if you were uncomfortable with Game 3, you lay off Game 3, and then you take the loser of Game 3 in Game 4. And it has nothing to do with any zigzag or anything like that. I just felt that, well, we, we both felt that this series was going to be 2-2 after four games. These teams were too close. And the way that they have played, the intensity that they've played with, Maybe the Bucs kind of let one go after they took a 1-0 series lead. But it's been back and forth this entire way. And now with the series shifting back to Boston for Game 5, Celtics are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And in Game 1, they were a five-point favorite. In Game 2, 
they were a four-point favorite. Now they're five and a half, which is interesting. And you wonder if the Celtics win that game, can the Bucs win in game six and force a game seven? Series market updated right now. The Boston Celtics are minus 200 to win the series. Bucks are plus 170. The series outcome, Celtics in seven, plus 170. Celtics in six, plus 180. Bucks in six or seven is plus 400. So you have the Bucks at plus 170 to win the series, but the Bucks in six or seven is plus 400, both bets. So you could maybe take a half a unit and go on Bucks in six and a half a unit on Bucks in seven. And if you win, you're going to get two units, 1.5. So I guess 1.7 is better than 1.5, but you can get creative. Uh, let's see. Heat, uh, well, that's we'll talk about that coming up. But the other game that we saw here on uh, Monday night was the Golden State Warriors. Without their head coach, Steve Kerr, who tested positive for COVID. So Mike Brown takes over in the interim. Yes, the new head coach of the Kings uh, takes over for in the interim. And he's coached them before. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Especially in the playoffs. And he's undefeated when he coaches the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, believe it or not. So the Warriors, who were 10-point favorites, they moved down to 9.5 by the time this one tipped off. They win the game. They don't cover. 101-98 was the final score. The Grizzlies uh, making a buzzer beater three at the end because it was really 101-95. So the final score is 101-98. And it was a bad shooting night for the Golden State Warriors. And they still won the game. And probably if John Morant plays in this game, it's a completely different story. And it's not because of just the, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies scored 98 points in this game. They scored 112, granted, in game three. 106 in game two. And 116 in game one. So, yes, they missed John Morant scoring. But during this entire regular season, 
The Memphis Grizzlies were 20-5 and without John Morant, and the majority of those losses came at the end of the season where nobody played. Their rating offensively was better. Their rating defensively was better. However, all those numbers and arguments aside, the reason why I felt they did not stand a chance in this game, and I give them credit for covering, but I also blame the Golden State Warriors for missing every shot that they took. Literally, Golden State Warriors were nine of... Where where am I? I think they were 9 of 37 from three-point range. Let's see. Warriors were 9 of 37 from three-point range. They were 36 of 90 from the field overall, 40%. Um, John Morant, when the game is close, is the closer. And the only way, the only reason why the Warriors were able to come from behind and win this game in the fourth quarter, when Memphis had a lead, is because they did not have their closer to close out the game. I'll explain more of what I mean coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. The Warriors beat the Grizzlies 101-98. They win, but they do not cover. The game goes comfortably under. And how much did Memphis truly miss John Morant? I'll explain. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? We mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zin 10 Challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zin Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zin Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zin 10 Challenge today at Zin.com slash 10. That's Z-Y-N.com slash 10. Zin Nicotine Pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies and how much did they truly miss John Morant in this game, I look at game two, the game that they won. And I talked about this last night. But in that game, when they were down, or when it was tied, excuse me, it was 89-89, I believe, and it was like five and change left. John Morant took every single shot for the Grizzlies in those final five minutes and change. The only other person to attempt a shot was Zaire Williams with 51 seconds left after getting the rebound off of a John Morant miss. So, he shot every, he scored their final 15 points, and they won the game. But he took every single shot, with the exception of one, that happened when he missed a three-pointer, and one of his teammates got the rebound. So, let's take a look at what happened here 
in a similar spot in a close game for them without John Morant. With five minutes left in this game, it was 87-83 Grizzlies. Steph Curry makes a three. It's now 87-86. Tyus Jones made a shot. It's 89-86. Then Jordan Poole makes a shot. You get a uh, Jaron Jackson missed free throw. Then he makes the second free throw. Then after Curry shoots, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. makes a shot. So right now we have two players. We had Tyus Jones and Jaron Jackson Jr. attempting shots. It's still 92-90, Grizzlies lead with 258 left. Okay. Then you have um, Kyle Anderson free throws. We're not counting free throws here, okay? I just want shot attempts. So, we have now Tyus Jones missing a layup. Still the two players, him and Jaron Jackson. Then you have a Dylan Brooks layup that is missed. It's three players, okay? Then you have Dylan Brooks missing another shot. Three still at three players. Then you got, let's see, Jaron Jackson Jr. missing a shot. Uh, Desmond Bain, loose ball foul, not doing that. Um, Let's see, Dylan Brooks makes a layup, okay? Then we have Jaron Jackson Jr. missing a shot. Then you got Jaron Jackson Jr. missing a shot. Then that's it. Game is over. Well, Dylan Brooks made the three at the buzzer, which didn't mean anything. But from the five-minute mark of the game, even after Curry makes that three, and it's 87-86, you have a one-point lead. From that moment on, with a one-point lead, the Grizzlies go, let's see, one uh, one for one on the shot attempts, so that's good. So they made one shot. We're happy about that. Then you got, let's see, from again, not counting free throws. So we got two of two, not counting free throws. Here we go. Two of three, two of four, two of five. Let's see here. Two of five, two of six. Oh. Let's go. Two of six now. Oh, three of six. Dylan Brooks made a shot. Three of six. Three of seven. Three of eight. Three of eight. Three of eight down the stretch. Now, on the surface, the percentage doesn't seem that bad. But in a tie game in the fourth quarter, where every possession counts in the closing minutes of the game, three of eight. That's five empty possessions. And in those, you know, empty possessions, the Warriors, I'm seeing, well, let's just look at the Warriors from that moment on. Jordan Poole makes a shot. Uh, Steph Curry makes a shot. You have Jordan Poole making two free throws. Steph Curry making two free throws. You have uh, uh, Steph Curry with another three. It was 87-86. And then it was 92. It was 93-90. It was 93-90. And then it went to 101-95. 
Ugh. That's a 7-2 run to close out the game. And then ultimately, well, the three-pointer at the buzzer, really. Count that for what it's worth. But they missed having their closer on the floor because I can tell you with high level of confidence that if John Morant is on the floor at the end of that game, in the final five minutes, he is touching the ball on every single one of those possessions. And I don't think Ja goes three of eight. I think he goes shot for shot and matches up with the Warriors. Whether it's Steph hitting the shots or Poole hitting the shots or whatnot. But having the ball in Ja's hands at the end changes things. And the evidence is, look at what he did in game two. Scoring 15 points, the final 15 points for the Grizzlies. He made the shots down the stretch. That's why he finished with 47. And then they win that game. And so, they lose. And I'm not going to say the series is over. But... It's kind of over. Right now, there have been 269 playoff series with a 3-1 series lead. And in total, 162 of those have finished in Game 5. 73 of those have finished in Game 6. And 21 of those have finished in Game 7. 13 times, though, a team down 3-1 has gone on to win the series. It's happened 13 times in NBA history. Last season, the Nuggets did it twice. As uh, they won 4-3, they won in 7 against the Jazz after being down 3-1. And they did it against the Clippers. In 2016, the Cavs did it against the Warriors. Hey, remember? Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. Also in 2016, the Warriors did it against the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals. The 2015 Rockets did it against the Clippers in the Western Conference Semis. And the Suns did it in 2006, and now we're going back and back and back. But famously, we remember the Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead to the LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016, so maybe they can blow this lead. But the odds are not in the Memphis Grizzlies' favor right now. And looking at the spread for Game 5 back in Memphis, so they should get a boost from their home crowd but the Warriors are two-and-a-half-point favorites right now in Memphis for that game coming up on Wednesday. Do the Grizzlies have it in them? Will they have John Morant for that game in Memphis on Wednesday night? In a do-or-die win or stay home, because they're already playing at home, so... Win or go, can't say win or go home. It's win or stay home situation. And should they pack their bags for San Francisco, 
with a plan to head out to the Chase Center for Game 7 of the series. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Game 6 of the series. This is Game 5, which would be in uh, Game 5 on Wednesday because this was just Game 4 because the Grizzlies do have home court advantage. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. We'll talk more Grizzlies coming up next. Jessica Benson, who does uh, pre-halftime and post for the Memphis Grizzlies, will join us here, and we'll get the latest on this team. Can they respond and avoid elimination on Wednesday night? This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here for only $59 to get everything VSIN has to offer from now till the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content right here at vsin.com. Subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. He had Grizzlies plus 10 tonight, that cashed. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage, not to mention continued best bets, premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Points Red Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash spring. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, joined now by Jessica Benson from the Memphis Grizzlies, as she just got done with the postgame show. We appreciate you joining us again, Jess, and uh, we wish it was under better circumstances. I'm sure the guys were were not in a good mood after this game. We talked off the air. Sometimes it's as simple as just saying they didn't have John Morant. Besides not having John Morant, what went wrong tonight for the Grizzlies? It was one of those things where from out the gate and you get the news that Jaw's unavailable tonight and there's no getting around it. Like he's been the most important player in the series for Memphis. He's been the best player on the court period in this series, even though the Warriors may have been the more complete team up to this point. And so you think, how are you going to put together a game plan that doesn't include John Morant? And you think, oh, wow, well, the Grizzlies went 20 and five without him in the regular season. And that wasn't a fluke. They did it by really getting in the mud and getting things together defensively. And you saw the Grizzlies do such a better job of that from the jump. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a defensive menace tonight. And you even had it in a situation where Desmond Bain still isn't 100%, but you get that contribution from Kyle Anderson. You get the steadiness of Tyus Jones as the backup point guard shifting into that starting point guard role. And then, unfortunately, you don't have a closer in John Morant. And like you said, sometimes it's that simple. And you think back to the game two situation where he scored the last 15 points for Memphis and 18 in the fourth quarter. And the joke was the play call was go get a bucket jaw. And (laughs) guess what? When you call up for jaw to go get a bucket, chances are he has a pretty good chance of doing that. On the flip side tonight, you had a situation where Dylan Brooks takes a crazy step back three with the Grizzlies up one in the final minute of the game. And things just evolved from that point forward. And you have the Warriors that are a veteran team. They're built for moments like this, and it just felt like the inevitability of Golden State kicked in down the stretch. Does it sting a little bit more when you consider how poorly Golden State shot, especially from three-point range in this game? Yeah, it was wild. You're like, certainly. They're not going to go 0-10 forever, and then they're 0-15, and you're like, 
well, maybe they are. And then they're two of 20 at half. And you think, okay, maybe it's just one of those nights where, where it isn't going to work. And, you know, you ultimately get some super clutch shots from Steph from the free throw line. He was golden down the stretch, even though he missed that one. Clay Thompson doesn't hit a three, but he has that big deep two where his foot was right on the line. And they came up with the, the big shots. Otto Porter Jr., again, a tremendous role player who's been such a difference maker in this series. But that's where if you're the Grizzlies, and I know Grizzlies fans are feeling this way tonight, there's no other way to feel about this than you let one slip away. And it really was a golden opportunity to come back to Memphis with this series tied up at two games apiece. Plus with the optimism of you haven't had a definitive answer when it comes to John Morant's status for the rest of this series. The Grizzlies have all season long been pretty tight to the vest when it comes to injuries. And even today, the news was that he had the MRI yesterday. There was nothing else to report when it came to that simply that they would continue to evaluate and that he was out for tonight's game. So it left a window open. And if the series had come back tied to all into Memphis and you get John Morant back, the Grizzlies still have a sincere shot at winning this. Now it feels like a little bit of that life has certainly been sucked out. I'll be honest. I thought he was going to play tonight because we've seen in this playoffs, so did I. we saw the Phoenix Suns do it and we saw the Sixers do it. Wait till after the deadline and then announce that the player's playing, and you just pay the $50,000 fine. Who cares? Because they have all this money. They don't care about that. But you would have the player playing, and it would mess with everybody before the game. So I thought, hey, we find out Robert Williams is not playing an hour before the game, and I'm like, all right, let's get this John news. He's playing, and it never came. And obviously, he did not play. With the season on the line, hard to imagine he doesn't play on Wednesday night. What are you hearing right now? Yeah, if Jaw can go, he'll go. And that's what it comes down to. If you saw the cutaways, it was heartbreaking to watch every time they cut to him on the camera because he just looked so bummed. And there was, of course, the interaction that goes viral with Jordan Poole before the game and like the walk by handshake situation, and everyone wants in on the drama there. Uh, but for Jaw, he's just someone who, right now, you're missing the most important opportunity that you have, and that's to go lead your team to a spot in the Western Conference Finals. And this is a team that has believed that that is a place that they belong throughout the bulk of this season. And John Morant is really the the energetic leader of this group. And so for him, basketball is really life. (laughs) It's such a cliche, but it really is the case with him. And so if he has the opportunity to go, I think it just becomes a matter of, at the end of the day, John is 22 years old. You don't want to throw his body out there and possibility of something worse happening in a game at this point in his career isn't probably worth it. Um, but you can bet that if he gets even the, the smallest of green light from that medical staff, he'll be out there because this means everything Wednesday. Only 13 teams in NBA history out of uh, 269 have come back from 3-1 down to uh, win a series. But hey, the Warriors were one of those teams that blew a 3-1 lead. And it was on the biggest stage in the NBA Finals to LeBron James. So they certainly know what's on the line here. What do the Grizz have to do to win this game at home on Wednesday? You know they're going to get a boost from the crowd, but they are still two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Warriors on Wednesday night. Yeah, I think you have to continue onward where you're playing the Grizzlies brand of basketball. And the Warriors have done such a good job up until tonight of sucking them out of that. And a big piece of it came tonight with Steven Adams being reinserted into the starting lineup. You saw 10 of their first 13 points being in the paint and immediately him opening up the interior, which is a place that this team dominated. They led the league in points in the paint 
uh, throughout the regular season. And the Warriors have just zapped that out of them and forced them into being a jump shooting team, which just isn't their identity. So I think you got some good stuff with Steven Adams tonight. There was such a looming question of was he playable in this series after being unplayable against the Minnesota Timberwolves and coming out of COVID protocols and, and what his conditioning looked like. I thought he played really well. He didn't get run off the court. He showed his abilities as a screen setter, even some of that high low action where he's able to facilitate from the top of the key. And of course, rebounding like the fact that the Grizzlies still lose the rebounding battle tonight, ultimately, but he's able to get some more of those offensive rebounds. He's just a presence when it comes to crashing the glass that they've really struggled with in this series against the Warriors so far. So you put Steven Adams in there and then Jaron Jackson Jr. Like you and I talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. earlier this year when it came to the defensive player of the year race. But we also talked about him in a sense of he can be the most important player on this team. And when you see an aggressive Jaron Jackson Jr. like you did tonight, five blocks again, he had the one amazing one on Clay Thompson, the one huge one in the fourth quarter where he for Steph Curry out of bounds, holding the basketball and Steph is just left sitting there chewing his mouth guard. Like what just happened? Like that's Jaron Jackson jr. To a T he was tough from the three point line tonight, but he's a walking mismatch in this series. So if he can get aggressive on the post, good things happen for this team. Yeah. I was going to say, is he shooting too many threes? I mean, you don't really want to see him out yeah. there. I know he's made a couple in the past, but Oh, of seven. It's like, dude, I mean, you know, look at your look at how big you are. <laughs> Why are you shooting threes? That's where, well, and that's where it gets so frustrating sometimes because you're just screaming like, just run a play for Jaron Jackson Jr. Because right now it works so efficiently. Instead of him settling for threes or hunting for threes, mm-hmm. he's so much better. He's even better from the three point line when his action on the inside gets going early. And obviously, a big key with Jaron is just staying on the court and being able to get that consistency going and the flow of his game going. Um, so for him to be able to stay out there again, that's something Stephen Adams helps with too. There, Jaron's foul rate when Stephen Adams on the court this season is significantly lower than when he's without. So hopefully that helps add up a little bit of uh, extra promise for Jaron the rest of the way. Did you notice any extracurriculars with Dylan Brooks uh, making his return from the suspension? Anything there? I think Dylan was so hyped for this game. This is a guy who lives and breathes his identity of being Dylan the villain. And you see him (laughs) even in his choice of what he wore. He has his signature sunglasses on. He's wearing one of the lead singers of The Cure is on his sweater tonight. Like, can he be the cure for the Grizzlies? And defensively, I think you're like, no, duh. Dylan Brooks not being out there in the last game is one of the many reasons why the Warriors were able to score 142 points. Um, but unfortunately, as can sometimes be the case with Dylan Brooks, defensively, you have to take some of those questionable offensive decisions and the shot selection down the stretch, not just tonight, but throughout the series has been a little wobbly when it comes to Dylan. So I think he might have gotten sucked into a little bit too much of wanting to be the hero and wanting mm. to be the cure. And instead, it ended up being a detriment for the team. Game five back in Memphis on Wednesday night. Jessica, thanks so much for all the time and the insight. And we'll be checking you out uh, on the Grizzlies broadcast and Grind City Media. Thanks, Scott. See ya. There she is. Jessica Benson does a great job for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, she hosts the morning show for them, Rise and Grind, on their own uh, channel and also pre-halftime post for the Grizzlies game. So you definitely want to check her out. And we'll see what they can do on Wednesday if they can stave off elimination at least at home and force this series back to San Francisco for a game six. We'll talk to our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel about this series and more coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead.
This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCND. Sports Betting Network. Joining us now for more NBA playoff conversation is our senior NBA analyst, the host of Hardwood Handicappers and The Edge, Monday through Friday here on the network. He is Jonathan Von Tobel. And JBT, let's start with the Celtics-Bucks game. What changed in that fourth quarter that flipped this game on its head? Al Horford? It's pretty easy, right? Al Horford was incredible. And I don't know if you saw this tweet, but his sister. So right after, if you remember early in the third, Giannis Antetokounmpo dunks on him. Yes. And, you know, has some words for him. And Horford just kind of walks away, starts nodding his head, says, okay. And, you know, just he says that uh, Horford's sister retweeted the clip and said, yeah, I've seen this face a thousand times. He was pissed. And he looked like it down the stretch, man. Mm -hmm. Horford, but to give Horford credit, I mean, he's been incredible for now two games. He was awesome at the end of game three, and he was awesome again here today. But honestly, I think that's, you know, somebody just stepped up, and that was Al Horford. He was brilliant. And to give Jason Tatum some credit, too, he started to make some really tough buckets down the stretch as well that kind of padded the lead there for the Boston Celtics. This offense, I think, just stopped looking to the officials, asking for fouls and complaining, and started playing a little bit of basketball. And the other thing, too, is, you know, Bud's got this weird thing where they play pretty big. And At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, they're they're dominating the glass and they're keeping guys out of the paint. And then they go to that four-guard lineup with Giannis and it's just not as effective as it was last year. And we kind of saw that the Celtics really carved up that small ball lineup. And I think that was a really big part of it too for the Celtics. All those things came together and they were able to tie this series up. You know, uh, there was a lot floating around before the game about Robert Williams not playing and what effect that would have. I, we even saw the spread go, uh, go in favor of Milwaukee a little bit. You know, they were pushed from one to one and a half. But then um, I don't know if you saw these the, the numbers that Hardwood uh, Paroxysm tweeted out that the Celtics minus 2.3 net rating with Robert Williams on the floor, plus 9.6 with him off the floor in this series. So with him actually not playing, it might have given them a boost. 
Yeah, you know, and I think it opens up the floor maybe a little bit more for them offensively from a defensive standpoint. You know, one of the things that helped Boston a lot, you know, why they made this big change defensively in this calendar year was the fact that Robert Williams went from playing true center defensively to playing more off ball and being more of a help defender. And it switched everything. And Horford took a lot of a lot of that brunt defensively as they went down the stretch as in terms of playing against opposing centers. And so now when you're talking about Robert Williams and being more of a help defender and not having him on the floor, you can switch a little bit more if you'd like to, like you feel more comfortable. You know, they were picking on Jalen Brown at the end of game three, but the Celtics, I think, did a really good job of limiting the opportunities that Giannis Antetokounmpo had in terms of going at Jalen Brown. Uh, you can kind of see it to a certain extent, and without Robert Williams out there, you're also getting a little bit more offense too. So I think in this series, it makes sense that he would be a little less effective. I think you still want him in spurts, uh, but but I think at the end of the day, there is a case to be made that Bruntier minutes in this series are probably better off having Robert Williams on the sideline and going a little bit smaller and having a little bit more offense out there. Celtics five and a half point favorites on Wednesday night in game five. Is that a little bit too much of an overreaction? No, I don't think so. I mean, so we've kind of we, we've gotten to the point now home court is definitely worth three points in this postseason. Home teams have been on a really good run until today. Um, in terms of covering numbers and winning these games. So if you're talking about like three and for home court and you want to say that they're about two, two and a half points better than the Milwaukee Bucks without Chris Middleton, I think that does make some sense. So uh, this is right in line with where I put it. I think maybe like a half point uh, a little high there for Boston. But I, you know, I don't think this is too high for the Celtics at all. It's right in the range where I made it. Warriors get the win. They don't get the cover. The Grizzlies without yeah. John Morant uh, were able to keep this thing close. But in the fourth quarter, Golden State pulled away. I feel like they have to. Golden State has to be thanking their lucky stars for one. They shot so poorly in this game, and without John Morant, I think combined with how badly they shot, they're very lucky to get a victory here. I think they're lucky that Dylan Brooks played today. I mean, <laughs> Brooks was. Uh, did you see the stat? He's missed thirty-five of his yeah. last forty-eight three-pointers this playoffs. And, of course, he hits that uh, bucket at the end. Uh, Which covers the, the second half line. Yeah. Second half betters, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, I, I think Brooks was terrible. Uh, you know, 5-19 and 19 from the floor, 2-9 from three-point range. And you don't want to blame, like, you know, one performance on this. But it is kind of easy to look at this and go, you know, this guy was, they were minus five in his minutes out there. He was really inefficient from the floor. There were many empty possessions down the stretch for Golden State. And many of them ended with a really bad attempt from Dylan Brooks. And I, I think you have to look at Taylor Jenkins too and realize like stop running stuff for this guy, get him off of the floor. Uh, you have guys like Zaire Williams who've given you better minutes than that. I think you kind of got to adjust here and they didn't. And it led to them losing this game. Um, and, and I think too, we did learn and it said that we learned it. We knew this, the Memphis Grizzlies do not make the case. I'm not talking to you, but just anybody out there do not make the case that they're better without John Morant. Cause they're not, but they are better defensively without John Morant. And you saw that they mucked this thing up. They slowed it down. They played a really good brand on that end of the floor, but you also saw that in half court situations, you kind of need that guy to be able to create and pick on dudes who are not really good defenders. Half court situations today, offensive rating is 78.7 for Memphis. That's not good in any way whatsoever. So in those settings, they really missed John Morant. So it's good to play that grit and grind, old school Memphis style of basketball. But at some point, you got to have a guy that's able to create in the half court or have an offense that can flow. And we saw that difference in the fourth quarter here. Yeah, and I kept uh, bringing back, uh, bringing up what happened in game two when the Grizzlies won the game. John Morant, yes, he scored the final 15 points for the Grizzlies, but in the final five minutes when that game was tied and, and then moving on to the end, he shot every shot. No other player attempted a shot except for Zaire Williams, who got the rebound off of a John Morant miss 
and then put up his own shot. So yeah. it's not just about making the shots. It's, he's the guy that took every single shot for them in the clutch time down the stretch. And, and I do think that that is like to an extent that, that it's great, but it's also a little bit of a weakness, right? Because you have to be able to like rely on somebody else to create your offense there. It's why some of these games are so tight. Um, and it's, I kind of think that's like, that's kind of the flaw with this Memphis Grizzlies team. Like outside of John Moran, you do need another guy, a shot creator. I mean, the Warriors have it not in bunches, but they do have a couple of guys, right? They have Jordan Poole who can create if Steph Curry's having an off night, vice versa. Uh, Andrew Wiggins at times can give you a couple of possessions like that. So like, that's the difference I think between these two teams. And I think that's why they have a three, one series lead right now. Tomorrow we have game five between the heat and the Sixers in Miami. Uh, what can Miami do here to snap out of this as they've dropped the last two once Joel Embiid came back? I, you know, I think you focus first offensively. So Jimmy Butler has been brilliant in yep. this series. The last three games, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, but just like we were talking about with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, you need somebody else to create some offense. You know, it's great to score 40 points on 13 of 20 shooting, but then you look around and you go, all right, well, we got six from Lowry, we got six from Struess, we got seven from P.J. Tucker. You know, off of the bench, Oladipo was fine, but it was an inefficient 15 points on one of five shooting from three-point range. You know, you just, you need some more efficient shot creation that is not named Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo was solid in 21 points and 9 and 12 from the floor, but he's become more passive because Joel Embiid's out there now defending him, and I think that's kind of the problem here with the with the Miami Heat. You know, I wrote about this going into that game the other day, they have not been good in half-court settings either, the Miami Heat. It coming in, it coming into this series, they were not good in the Atlanta series. They weren't good in the first two games against Philadelphia in half-court settings, and you've really seen that catch up with them here. And, and the shooting has kind of disappeared. So you kind of expect some positive regression, right? Role players play a little bit better at home. But Embiid changes everything, man. You know, before that last game, I was on Philly yesterday. I bet, him a, little, I bet a little on the series, a 3-1. Embiid just changes this entire dynamic. He still has the ability to go for 30, get to the free throw line. He's so good defensively. They close out with aggression now because he's back there. I think they're kind of in dangerous water here, Miami, as we move forward in the series. We got about a minute left. Uh, what about the Suns and the Mavericks? Phoenix laying six at home here in game five. Man, so it's weird because, you know, these home teams are performing well. And if these role players show up and, you know, you're getting some good performances from Mikael Bridges, actually, and Jake Crowder was, has been fantastic in the series for them in every game. But if that steps up a little bit here and that mid-range shooting comes back, those first two games they shot over 55% from mid-range and over 60% on long twos. It's ridiculous. And if that kind of regresses back and they start to perform a little bit better offensively, you can see them covering this. But the Mavericks are killing them with drill penetration. They're kicking it out to open shooters. Luka Doncic is posting guys up, Bridges and Paul, and backing them down. I tend to think that the Dallas Mavericks – have a slight edge here as we kind of move forward in this series. Like I love the adjustment in their game plan and Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith are so solid on defense. They've done a great job against Booker and Paul that can translate on the road. So yeah, I'm going to see what the market does here, but I am tempted to back the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks in that game back in Phoenix. It's amazing. They just gave out the coach of the year award to Monty Williams. If there was a coach of the year in the playoffs, it would be Jason Kidd right now. Oh, we got We got to do the whole thing, right? Like, Hey man, Monty Williams, you, you just, <laughs> you know, we got to do the whole dumb conversation about the postseason, right? Absolutely. JVT. I appreciate the time and the conversation as always. And we'll talk again soon, man. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, man, thank you. There he is, our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Bontoba. Catch Hardwood Handicappers wherever you get your podcasts from. Go to vcin.com slash podcast. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on vcin.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.